Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, and welcome back to another Let's Ride podcast, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning fix right here with me on the Steel Curtain Network as a part of Fans First Sports Network. What a weekend it was, right? I mean, this this weekend, this 2023 NFL draft is in the books. The only event coming up next is reportedly May 11th, which is when the NFL is planning on releasing the schedule, and we'll have... We'll have a full breakdown on all of that good stuff as it approaches and as that date is finalized. But the Steelers welcome seven new players into the fold. Remember, they had the first-round pick, Broderick Jones. They traded up to get him. They lose a fourth-round pick. with They give it to New England. Second round, are they going to trade their pick in 32? No, they take Joey Porter Jr. Then later, they take Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. In the third round, they trade back. I think 13 spots, if I'm correct. I think it was 80 to 93 with the Carolina Panthers. They regain that fourth round pick. They end up taking Darnell Washington, tight end out of Georgia. I thought it was a phenomenal pick. Really, really did. Then you look at the fourth round, Nick Herbig. No picks until the seventh. And then the seventh round, they have two kind of flyers. The first seventh round pick from Purdue, Corey Trice Jr., cornerback. Then you have, from Maryland, of course, Mike Tomlin's going to take a guy from Maryland, Spencer Anderson, an offensive lineman, mainly in the interior of the offensive line in their final seventh-round pick. They made seven undrafted free agent selections following the seventh round of the draft. And I thought about what I wanted to cover in this podcast because there are a lot of people out there. If you follow the national media, those that are the, the NFL draft sources, so to speak, you will see a lot of people that say, Oh, the Steelers, man, they hit this out of the ballpark. You're giving them solid, solid grades, especially on day one and day two. And I know I was going to say I was going to do winners and losers. I said that on Friday as we talked about Broderick Jones, and I changed my mind. I'm going to bump the winners and losers podcast to Wednesday. I wanted to actually kind of think about everything and, and let everything kind of saturate into who benefits the most, who benefits the least, from these seven new players that were drafted. And so I'm going to do the winners and losers on Wednesday. What I'm going to do today is I wanted to bring in someone from the outside. He's been on the show before leading up to the NFL draft. I think this was right before the NFL scouting combine. Roy Countryman, you might have heard him on our network. He's been on Jim Wexel's Steel City Insider talking about the NFL draft. He is a He's kind of like a draft guru, kind of like an an equivalent of Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts. But I wanted to get his take on this draft class, and I want to get the question answered, is it as good as everyone says that it is? We'll see. We'll see. So this is a Monday morning conversation. I wasn't sure if I was going to have one. Roy was gracious enough to join me. So stay tuned. Coming up after this break, we'll have Roy Countryman talking all things 2023 NFL draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All 
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back. It is Monday. It's time for the Monday Morning Conversation. Like I said at the beginning of the show, this gentleman's been on the show already once (laughs) leading up to the draft. I think it was pre-NFL scouting combine. Roy Countryman, who is on the Steel City Insider team. You've heard him on that podcast here on the Steel Curtain Network as well. Roy, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Jeff. Uh, We just got wrapped up with a great uh, 2023 draft class here, the Steelers. Um, Can't wait to jump into it, and I appreciate you having me back on. No problem. And here's the thing. Sometimes I can be a little skeptical and I am always hesitant when everyone's buying in on the Steelers to say, is this, is this real? Like is uh, everyone's really pumping up the Steelers tire saying this draft class was phenomenal. Top to bottom, seven draft picks in total. And I loved it. I thought it was a great draft class. I thought what Omar Khan and the front office did was, was pretty, pretty incredible. And I think they got a little lucky at times too, but still pretty incredible. Nonetheless, if you read Jim Wexel's book, uh, you know, all about the NFL draft, the Steelers in some of their best draft classes got lucky players stuck around. They weren't where they're supposed to be. And sometimes that happens. You have to jump on the opportunity, but I want to ask you, Roy, before we go pick to pick your overall, your general overall thoughts of this class, are they as good as everyone's saying, or do you think there were some missed opportunities? Hey, I'll, I'll be completely clear with you here. After night one, I wasn't so sure. Um, I like Broderick Jones, but I wasn't so sure about trading that four up to go get him. I thought we needed all the picks we had. Um, thought maybe we were going up for Christian Gonzalez, but that wound up not working out. And then we see the big picture and how all the puzzle pieces go together. And we see Joey Porter Jr. still sitting there at 32. Um I got to give a big tip of the hat to Omar Khan, Weidel, and Tomlin, all them guys. They 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 played the board miraculously. Like you said, in Jim's book, it's talking about getting a little bit lucky. If We're talking about Darnell Washington being a top 25 player on my board. We're getting him in the, the third round here, even after we trade back. So to me, uh, if we're not arguing about the value of players the whole way down to maybe in the seventh round, we're talking about maybe Spencer Anderson, this is a home run draft. Um, we see yeah. them starting to build that physical juggernaut. Um, and we're kind of, you know, swerving while everybody else is in the lane of a passing league. I think we're going to get back to smash mouth football. Um, uh, you hear the comments that Keanu Benton was dropping there with uh, Tomlin saying he wants some goons and he wants the physicality brought back. Well, they definitely showed it here with all the value picks. We're going to get a physical monster. We're going to get back to AFC North football, too, and that's that's really yeah. exciting, especially when we're looking at the grading curve, hopefully with year two of Kenny Pickett coming in here. This is exciting football for Pittsburgh fans. So you you mentioned Broderick Jones. The Steelers trade up. They, they have their choice. Broderick Jones obviously ended up being the selection. Joey Porter Jr. still on the board. Christian Gonzalez still on the board. In the moment, if you were Omar Khan or in the moment, even just yourself as a scout that's watching it, did you think they missed? Did you think they should have gone Christian Gonzalez instead at 14? Like I said, in the moment, yeah, I, I would have took probably Christian Gonzalez. But now looking at the way they wanted to portray the entire draft class with physicality, um, we've seen them remaking the interior of the offensive line. Now we got a tackle to, to push both Dan Moore and Chooks. Um I, myself, I was like, we're going up for Christian Gonzalez. But reading the tea leaves wrong, I'm hoping that Broderick Jones, you know, he is out of the top three tackles. He might be the the rawest technically wise. Um, But as far as athleticism, getting out in space and just completely manhandling people, 
um, was probably the best out of all three of these guys between Darnell Wright and Paris Johnson and Broderick there. So it's a little bit of uh, trusting in your your coaching staff as well. We've seen Pat Meyer be able to do a lot of quality work with these young guys in year one. If we can get Broderick Jones to you know, take that growth just from the first uh, training camp here into the first of the season. And I wouldn't count out Dan Moore even from maintaining that left tackle position right away almost in a similar manner to the way Trubisky held on to the starting job, uh, you know, the first few weeks of the season here, making him earn it until they think he's ready. The second round pick and the first second round pick and the 32nd overall, before we even talk about the selection of Joey Porter Jr., I want to ask you about what do you think? I Clearly, every single insider was saying the Steelers were fielding multiple phone calls from teams suggesting that they want to move up to 32. And we saw the Tennessee Titans go up with the Arizona Cardinals right after them and trade up to get Will Levis. Did you think that the Steelers price was maybe too high? Do you think that maybe they didn't want to surrender some more picks, which Arizona did. They actually gave up uh, more than just swapping that second round pick. Were you happy that the Steelers stayed put or were you really hoping that they would garner some more draft picks and trade back? Yeah, I, I really thought that they were going to trade back. But at that point, um, you're looking at value and you're looking at that glaring need on our defense. You know, you have Patrick Peterson as the starting corner right now. We need an outside presence. I'm not sold on a Kella Witherspoon. It comes down to what are you going to ask for? You know, what's what's the value you're going to get back on it? And even the trades outside of the Cardinals, one where they traded back with Titans, there just wasn't a lot of picks getting tossed around there to where I would have felt comfortable dropping down from Joey Porter Jr. My opinion in our system, we're going to be playing a lot of press man. He's going to be getting game one action here. We're going to see him right onto the field. And I just can't pass up a blue chip outside corner um, when you're looking at how you build a team. That's one of the six, seven positions that are hardest to fill, and they're the most expensive to fill as well. It's hard for me to drop down if it's only a third or maybe a fourth round coming back if i would have got a future maybe second or a future first to jump up there to get the quarterback probably would have entertained it but it looked like a lot of teams only maybe wanted to float them a third or a fourth and i can i can i can stay with them and their convictions of wanting to stick with a guy in that position Joey Porter Jr., the selection in and of itself amongst our steel curtain network team was hotly debated uh there were a lot of people that and I, I kind of felt this, and, and you've been following the draft enough, you can feel when certain players, as the draft approaches, it's almost like their stock is being deflated. And you really can't put a finger on it based on the fact that nothing has changed about this prospect. The scouting combine, the pro days, uh, obviously last season, it's all in the books. And yet, Joey Porter Jr. was one of those players, but you just felt like people were jumping off the bandwagon, jumping off the bandwagon. And you saw Devin Witherspoon go in the top 10 to Seattle. Christian Gonzalez falls, Joey Porter falls. A lot of Steeler fans are were kind of uh, on, you know, yeah, back and forth with Joey Porter Jr. You like do you like Joey Porter as a prospect? I know you mentioned his outside presence, press man options. You like him as a second round pick and a guy that can come in and start from day one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would have had a little bit of hesitation at seventeen. I would have understood the pick through the bloodlines and and that glaring need we have on defense um but the value we're able to get with tackling there to back up this pick at, at the top of the second round it's a home run this guy is going to come in day one especially with the patrick peterson 
um, and training camp being in his ear, Terrell Austin as well. These guys, Grady Brown, uh, just really taking him under their wing. We're going to see a lot more press man. We actually have the skill sets now to play the press man. Last year we had Sutton playing a little bit more press man, maybe off zone, just because we didn't have the length and the physicality. I know a lot's been made of the lack of ball skills and, and turnovers of Porter. I myself have referenced that. But when you're in man coverage, you're playing with your head to the ball. It's hard to come up with turnovers like that unless it's a deflection or something. Uh, but he's he only gave up – I don't believe he gave up a touchdown at all last year. A lot of guys just simply looked away from his side of the field. Yeah, he's not the smoothest in transition, but he also has one of the heaviest set of hands when it comes to pressing the receivers at the line of scrimmage. He can completely reroute them from the line of scrimmage, upset that timing with the quarterbacks, and that means a lot more than maybe your turnover plays, especially when you got Minka playing up over the top with him. And you're getting physical uh, edge rushers like Highsmith and Watt getting to the quarterback. It's a really good blend and a combination. They kind of complement each other here. So for me, 32, that's outstanding value of a player throughout the entire process. You know, he's in that 20 to 25 range for me. And you're talking about the draft process. I'm with you. It, it, to me, it's, it's always weird. We talk about players – for three, four months plus, oh, this is a first-round value, first-round value, and then all of a sudden, the week before, we're getting those reports, oh, he might drop to the third round, might drop to the second round. I think it just gets to a point where it's scouting fatigue. Like, yeah. we just have too much time on our hands. Uh, we're, we're so anxious <laughs> of wanting to see these guys holding up the jerseys and knowing who's going to yeah. be fitting into our, our system. We're ready for training camp. And I just think at times, you know, when you're going through the scouting process, Myself, I try to watch anywhere between three to five tapes on a guy. And and at times with this extra lot of time you may have if you get through an entire class, you might go back and watch a sixth or a seventh or maybe an eighth. And you're trying to nitpick things and, and go back and like, did I really see that in my notes? It's like sometimes you just need to take a step back and the smaller sample size is the best. Like just trust your gut, go with what you've seen up front and, and roll with it paralysis by analysis a little bit you know you just have yep. that you're, you're just constantly second guessing everything i see that now let's go to the next pick in the second round the steelers at pick 49 uh they decide to go with uh keanu benton now i said this when the pick was made saw this coming a mile away because they did not shy away from telling everyone including keanu benton i think mike tomlin in his post-draft press conference says we might need to have a couple meetings with keanu about him <laughs> keeping his mouth shut yeah. Uh, but he, hey, down at the senior bowl, he told him you're on our radar. And so I remember writing that article for the website. And uh, But do you think that's good value there in the second round where he was drafted? And how do you think he fits into the defense? Yeah, that's another home run value pick. I mean, this guy we were talking about, you, were, you referenced the Steel City Insider uh, podcast before the draft. We were talking about defensive linemen that we liked. And, um, you know, Benton's a guy, he has that versatility. That's the one thing that I, I gravitate towards. You know, we're not back in the early 2000s when we had Aaron Smith and Kiesel playing strictly five technique or you had Hampton only playing the zero on the nose. You know, Benton can play all over the line of scrimmage. He did play more nose tackle at the zero, maybe the shade, uh, but he can slide out the three tech, you know, in sub packages and he can play in five tech in, in base downs if you need. So for me, I love the versatility and, and having uh, the ability to sit underneath Cam Hayward for a year or two learned the ability to pass rush and the way that bull rush is, you know, Benton has the strength and the length. 
I think that's going to be really an under-the-radar type aspect here with Benton is he has a lot more talent to unlock. He played a lot of two-gapping in, in Wisconsin's scheme, which he's going to do on base downs for us. But to be able to learn underneath Oak and Joby and, and these guys, and, and he might not be pressed in action immediately. You know, I love Braden Fajoka that we got. He's probably going to be the nose tackle on base downs originally. So maybe slowly maneuver him in and get his confidence up on pass rushing fronts. It's going to be interesting to see if Benton's growth it's to me. We already know what he can do. He's a great run defender, um, but the growth is there to also be, you know, an all three down impact defender with just a little bit of tweaking of technique and, and a little bit more understanding of how to attack these linemen at the NFL level. So let's just talk about these top three picks right now. Out of the three, Joey Porter Jr., I think you already answered this. Broderick Jones came close. Keanu Benton. How many of those three do you think are day one starters week one? They're out there on a regular basis with a predominant role on this team. Oh man, you put me on the spot here. Let me think. Uh, <laughs> Benton, I think is going to be a rotational guy. I don't okay. think he's going to be a day one starter. I think, I think they really like Fajoko. I think Fajoko is going to be the nose tackle with Ogan Joby and Hayward. That's going to be your base three down line set. Um, Porter, I think is a day one starter at corner. It's going to be interesting come training camp time. Uh, you know, Dan Moore, he he's going to put on notice. Um, and yeah. and they like him a lot. I know they like him a lot in that building. Um, I didn't take that pick of Broderick Jones so much as Dan Moore, there's the door. Uh, I think it was more of we're going to light a fire and we're just improving the entire room. So um, if it comes training camp time and through preseason, they start battling and we see them really put on a show here, or Broderick Jones, and you can see his technique improving. He could be the week one starter at left tackle there. So it, uh, this is something, just to go back to Broderick Jones, I, it just came to my head. A lot of people spoke about his versatility. He practiced a lot at right tackle. Is that even an option with him, do you think, at the NFL level? Like, is Chooks a core for, is he too put on notice and said, like, hey, man, you don't get your act together. We can play this kid over here as well. Is that even an option? I mean, yes, it is. Um, I, I think it's more just addressing the entire room. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't think you go up to 15 and say, we're going to make you our right tackle. I think right. Im immediately you look at, this is our blindside protector being it's Kenny Pickett. We have our next decade long starter. Let's get our next pillar for the decade at left tackle. But if core four comes in, you know, training camp preseason is really struggling. Maybe you flip more over to right tackle or maybe give Broderick Jones a chance at right tackle being he has that practice experience. I, to me, I'm not going to be doing that because I want him the long-term fit to be left yeah. tackle. Um, but Obviously, he has the experience there. He's comfortable with it. Um, and both these guys, like I said, they need to come to camp with their act together because we just drafted a big ugly at 15, and he's not just <laughs> some some guy that was a yeah. two-star recruit. He was a five-star recruit. He's a legitimate guy that um, you know has the upside and athleticism, and, and I don't I don't want to say this lightly of a Jason Peters, you know, wow. with that athleticism and being able to yeah. get out in space. Go find me another tackle that has that type of athleticism. So if he yeah. can come through and, and hit all the hallmarks there, it's not going to be a surprise to see him week one starting. And it, the biggest guy that's grinning back there is Najee Harris going, yeah, guys, you know, dangle that carrot out there. I'm ready to be a run for 1,800 yards. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, but, I mean, you go on to the third-round pick, and people here at our network were just saying, like, this guy could be 32. This guy could be the pick at 32. And maybe he gets to 49. 
And he goes all the way to, I believe, 93 because the Steelers trade back in the third round from 80 to 93 with the Carolina Panthers. And they take Darnell Washington, a mammoth of a man, a guy who's not afraid to block. I found so much pleasure over the weekend watching these cut-ups of Darnell Washington and Broderick Jones next to each other in Georgia manhandling people. <laughs> and like you said, Najee Harris has to be sitting there being like, please, can we get this process started now? And Kenny Pickett, he was with Cam Hayward on the couch as they brought Broderick Jones. It couldn't stop grinning from ear to ear. Like, just so happy. They're putting it together, but what do you think about Darnell Washington first? My first question is, why do you think he slid so far? I mean, there's a lot of people were saying measure or not medicals, knee potentially, but the dude, he did everything at the combine. I don't understand what would have happened, but what do you think about that? The slide that was Darnell Washington. Well, uh, and I'll agree with that. It is the medicals. That's the only reason. And, and that's where the NFL gets fickle sometimes, especially from an evaluator from like my perspective. We're more in the media front. We don't have access to all the medicals yeah. is what a lot of these other guys do. So all we can do is rely on the tape that we're watching and maybe some interviews that we get one-on-one. Um, so, yeah, it, even he came out and said, I've never had a problem outside of getting a clean up to some cartilage on my right knee. Um, but then he said, well, maybe it's it's the aspect of being I'm just such a big and physical, freakishly built guy that they're worried about my knees swelling. Well, you know what? He's still going to probably play for a decade. So I guess yeah. we'll just have to have him go to the training room an extra, you know, a half hour, an hour early, <laughs> maybe every week. So for me, this dude is, you know, you were talking about his run blocking. And I love what Tomlin said on the post-draft uh, press conference about him having a license plate. that says sixth offensive lineman because that guy, um, yeah, uh, that guy's going to be going to the same buffet table as the offensive line. Uh, that guy is taking people's lunch money. And let's not forget the fact of the catch that he made on the combine. Yes. The guy has almost 11-inch hands, I believe, or maybe even a little larger, just off the top of my head. But he can catch the ball, too, and he's rumbling and bumbling and stumbling after the catch. So for me, the people that I'm most happy for, Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. You know, we can talk about Pat Fryermuth last year, you know, maybe struggling just a little bit, not for the want to in blocking, but just, didn't seem like he was all there in the blocking aspect. And we were giving everybody uh, Gentry his roses for blocking department, which to me, he was average at that at best. Now we're talking about an absolute dominant run blocker in 12 personnel and be able to have Fryermuth just free running down the middle of the field. So Kenny Pickett's going to be happy that his tight end that could be an all pro caliber production wise as a pass catcher is going to have to take on the physicality of inline blocking as much because we have this guy as well. So does, is Zach Gentry put on notice? You said that with Dan Moore and potentially Chooks of for is Zach Gentry, who is signed to a one-year contract as a free agent. Is he now put on notice with Darnell Washington in the fold? I would absolutely, uh, I wouldn't be uh, booking my rental suite in Pittsburgh anytime <laughs> soon. If I was Zach Gentry, <laughs> as much as I love his personality and the relationship yeah. that him and Pat Fryermuth have, um, he's one of them guys, like I said, you're coming to training camp. Uh, I know for a fact they love Connor Hayward, so I don't think he's going anywhere. And don't forget, we just got the announcement of the undrafted free agents here. They just signed a throwback fullback in the John Whitman mold, a Monty Potbottom from Iowa. Yeah. So hell of, they, a, they, hell of a mullet. Oh, I love that dude. <laughs> I love the, what it was, a Monty's mullet or whatever it was called. <laughs> uh, so 
I'm looking at an offense now to where we can kill you with old school running game, or we can spread you out and kill you with size, speed, and athleticism. And that's the offense that I want to want Pickett to be playing behind. We have that Pickett fence we're building right now. Now the tight ends, we have you know the mixing and matching of skill sets. We need an H back in the 13 personnel. Bring Hayward in. We want to go 12 personnel, dominate people. We're going to bring in uh, Washington and also Fryermuth. If you want to go old school and I formation, all right, let's bring Washington in and pot bottom and let Harrison run in behind these goons up front. So to me, I think Gentry's, if I had to make a prediction right now for the for the depth chart, I'd say he's on the outside looking in right now. Wow. And, and honestly, it was it was a good signing because if you don't get Darnell Washington, you're covered. But right. it's an insurance policy. But let me ask you this. And just because the last few picks – they're late round picks, number one, but two, there, there, there's no offensive players. You just outlined the versatility that could be represented on the Steelers offense in 2023. And I'm going to ask you a really tough question, but I just want your honest opinion. Is Matt Canada, the guy that can get it done? It's a wild card here, isn't it Roy? I mean, that's the wild card. It it absolutely is. And I, I think the coaching staff, um, I I don't think they're going to have a very long leash with Matt Canada. Let me put it that way. Um, I think it was kind of telling that we didn't see him out in the road very much for the pro day circuit. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, you that figure was, your offense, that was really weird. He usually you got your defense corners. Terrell Austin made a ton of visits. You know, yeah. we look around, he was at Wisconsin pro day and, and a bunch of these other guys that we wound up bringing in. Um, and you know, maybe that was due to some stuff we don't, we're not aware of. Maybe it was family, you know, um, stuff going on or, you know, he yeah. just couldn't be there, but to me, that was very telling that if an offense coordinator isn't out there doing the doing the legwork, uh, as reported, where he was, you know, at the pro days, that to me says there might be just a little bit of a unsurety of going forward. So yeah. if we look back at, at track record, his track record isn't that good with being able to provide success. Do I hope that he makes successful changes in the offseason? Absolutely. We've seen it down the stretch. He was, you know, the play calling did improve over the last three to four weeks. You know, hopefully we just keep building off of that. But if not, I would not be surprised, you know, for our Steelers, it's hard to hard to say about coaching changes in midseason, but it wouldn't be surprising to hear Mike Sullivan maybe take over the play calling if with all this, you know, wealth of offensive playmakers and versatility that we're not in the top 12 to 15, at least offense and scoring this year. And they did bring in the offensive assistant. I can't, the guy's name escapes me yeah, at the moment, but um, Arizona yeah, so, state fella. Yeah. Yep. There you go. So we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, but still, yeah, interesting. And I'm excited and also a little intrigued about how this is going to look. And I said this on my podcast on Friday after the first round, I said, like, look, this is before they got Darnell Washington. And before uh, they, you know, they, they bring in that mammoth of a man and say, like, I, I don't think that he has a crutch anymore. Matt Canada, he doesn't have that. Well, you know, I don't have the quarterback. No, you do. Uh, I don't have the offensive line. Have you seen what we did this off season? Like, I mean, they've really bolstered and created a lot of competition. So interesting the stuff there, but let's go to the fourth round pick again. One that I could have predicted a mile away. They stick with, with the family ties. Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin, and there's the video of T.J. Watt when he visited Wisconsin, working with him on his, you know, rip move and things like that. What did you think about the Herbig selection? I was a Herbig fan through and through. I understand why people are panicking because he doesn't have the length everybody wants, or he's a little lean. Well, I'm telling you right now, you know, I've been to training camp, seen T.J. Watt. It might say 250 something on the on the roster, but 
that guy might be 235 soaking wet and he's every pound of muscle and Herbig's cut out of the same yeah. cloth. Um, uh, to me, when it comes to weight and pass rushers, I don't care. As a pass rusher, I want you to be able to use your hands and disengage from blocks. This guy is an absolute menace with that. Not only that, he has a history of TJ Watt. You have Highsmith that's coming into his, you know, his second contract. He's going to probably get taken care of in training camp. Outstanding ad here. We needed a third edge rusher. It was, in my opinion, it was one of the top two needs in our draft class. We can't keep running Watt and Highsmith out there at 90, per, 90 plus percent of the play snaps in a year and just think we're going to keep getting production out of them. We got to have a guy that can come in there and play, you know, a solid 30 to 40% of the snaps and get some production with that. And we really lacked that last year. And, you know, we seen with Watt being out, we really needed that production to step up. And I, I love her big skill set. Like I said, married of pass rushing skills, understands how to attack an offensive line, um, can disengage from blocks, even though he is only what, 235, 38 pounds. That type of tenacity, it, it translates no matter what. And production. When it comes to edge rushers, when you're scouting, it don't matter the level. If if they're producing, you know, the hurries and the forced fumbles and the sacks, tackles for loss, that always translates no matter what. He might not be a blue chip player, but he's going to be an outstation, outstanding rotational edge line. And do you think Quincy Roche sticks around? They obviously cut Jameer Jones before the draft. Everyone was kind of... Well, why they, why'd they do that? We don't know. But Quincy Roche is still there. I mean, Quincy Roche was drafted by the Steelers in the sixth round. Do you think that rounds out the outside linebackers? I'd say for right now, but uh, I also I, I found it kind of intriguing that they only signed seven undrafted guys as well. Um, so for me, I, I, I think that kind of telegraphs that the uh, Steelers are kind of waiting around for the ending of the XFL season. Um, mm-hmm. We're in the final like two games of the XFL season. There's a lot of guys that have Steeler ties there that are still playing, you know, like Tuzar Skipper. He's been an absolute monster for the Saddle Sea Dragons. Uh, Peter Tomopeno from Las Vegas uh, Vipers out there. So last time we had the XFL here, we signed three or four guys when the season, um, unfortunately, you know, closed before the ending of the season. Now they're actually getting to the championship game next week. So I think those couple roster spots that we didn't sign with undrafted guys, we're going to see maybe players from the XFL get a chance to come back up here and uh, round out maybe an edge rusher or even a linebacking room like we were talking. Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought about the XFL. I, I didn't even know it existed. I mean, it existed, but I haven't watched yeah. a single snap. But that's a good point. And they haven't filled out 90. I think they're at 86, Seven. 87 once they make the the cornerback. Um, oh, what's his name? Williams or I think Seth, the, the, the cornerback from Minnesota last year that they signed during the draft in the third round. I think that makes 87. Oh. So. Yeah, Chan yeah. Sullivan. There you go. Sullivan nailed it. Okay. Uh, Let's go to the seventh round. The seventh round selections. There were two. Uh, The first was Purdue cornerback Corey Trice Jr. A lot of people that actually thought this guy could be drafted well earlier than the seventh round. Were you one of those? Yeah, absolutely. He was a third, fourth round tape for me. Um, Wow. Almost almost a similar player to Joey Porter. He's actually maybe a little bit of a better pure athlete um, as far as straight line speed, but Physical, real physical. The problem with him was the medical red flags. He had uh, tore his ACL, I believe it was in his right knee. Um, last year, he had to, <clears throat> excuse me, he had to keep a brace on it. It really hindered some of his transitional skills early on in the year. He shed the knee brace later on in the year. He started to improve that. Not afraid to come down, get his nose dirty and tackling. Um, can mug people at the line of scrimmage. Has some good ball skills as well. Really that press man, 
you know, corner type. He has great length. I like this this back to back corner pick in this draft with Trice. That's just an outstanding value. Two six foot three cornerbacks. I mean, they're they're big dudes. I mean, they are so. People say like, "Hey, we, you know, I remember they would draft a corner, a corner, and be like, oh, but well, he's not six foot. You know, he might be five ten, but he's not six foot. These dudes are six three, and they're long. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how they work and how they utilize them. And it just kind of shows. And and we can talk briefly, I guess. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Well, I, I don't want to disrespect the Maryland Terrapin uh, of Mike Tomlin's draft class of Spencer Anderson. Uh, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on him before we go on? He's he's more just your, you know." Jack of all trades, master of none. He's played a little yeah. bit everywhere across the line of scrimmage. He's a he's a nice stout lineman. Doesn't have the greatest length, but you know, for me, he's a guy. He might be eighth, ninth, tenth lineman. You know, he's that guy on the practice squad. You can elevate and still feel comfortable about. You're not signing somebody up the street. He can come in and finish a game out for you. But as of right now, unless he he's got to improve his technique and uh, and I think finalize on one position. You know, for me, I actually think. He might be best off at center. He played a lot of guard more than anything at Maryland. So maybe they transition him from being guard tackle to maybe guard center. Gets more comfortable in them interior three. Catches the end of the 53-man or most likely going to be a practice squad type. Yeah, so when you when you take all of this, the seven players, you even look at the free agency moves that they've made, the one word that keeps coming up is the one that you've already said multiple times is competition. You're talking about left tackle or the offensive line competition across the board. You talk about, uh, you know, Darnell Washington, the tight end room competition. Uh, you add talk about Keanu Benton, same Joey Porter, the same this off season, in your opinion, as someone that's an evaluator of talent, whether it's in the draft or free agency, have you been pleased with the first time Omar Khan has kind of gone through this cycle in its entirety? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was I was somebody that was maybe a little skeptical, being that he was always more on the you know number side of things. But to me, the the greatest asset of a leader is knowing the strengths of those around him. And when you watch the film of when the draft picks were made, it wasn't just him; it was celebrating. Andy Weidel was celebrating. You know, Tom was celebrating. The other positional coaches that were in there and the scouts. It looked like they all had an equal hand in this. So for me, and then when he was doing his uh, draft conference like wrap up he was talking about how he let Sheldon White and the other guys that are his lieutenants are taking care of the undrafted free agents signings so that to me says he's a very good delegator and trusts the people and the eyes that they have around them so whenever you got that kind of trust in the building it percolates throughout everything it, it embraces competition throughout everything and it's just going to make the cream rise to the top so I loved his aspect. It, it, you know, he was hitting positions. You know, we had Dotson and, and Daniels and, and Mason Cole. They started all 16 games. What's he do? He goes out and adds two more guards. He don't care. He wants that competition. Cream rise to the top. We'll figure out the rest later on down the road, whether it's we got to trade somebody or cap-wise. We'll figure that out later. To me, the best teams have depth and have that competition and that and that, you know, sense of ability to just be able to rise up above the mediocrity and just the mundane. And yeah. I think he's done an absolutely great job in the free agency and the draft this, this year. Fantastic stuff. Roy, I know you're a little under the weather. I appreciate you, you know, toughing it out here for us on this Monday morning conversation. Why don't you go ahead and plug what you do for steel city insider, your own website, as well as your social media channels. 
Absolutely. Thanks again, Jeff, for having me. You can visit my own website. It's Big Country Scouting. Um, the website is actually prospectencyclopedia.com. Um, as Jeff alluded to, I also write for Jim Wexler over at 24-7 Sports, the Steel City Insider. I have an article coming out highlighting some of the undrafted free agents and a little bit about their skill sets coming out there as well. And as always, if you'd like to hit me up on Twitter, I'm at PreacherBoyRoy, always willing to talk football or even Steeler-centric, whatever you want to chat about. I'm always here. And, hey, just appreciate you having me back on here. No problem, Roy. Until next time, man, take it easy, get well, and we'll talk to you soon. Will do. All right, a big thank you to Roy for taking the time. He's a he's a guy that knows all these players, you know. I mean, I, I'm I'm someone that you know, first round, second round, maybe some of the third. These names, they I've I've seen them, I've heard them, I, they ring a bell. He knows all of them, and so it's really good to get his insight on this draft class. Uh, obviously, there were some picks he liked more than others. Nonetheless, take it for what it's worth. I'm trying to help you, the fans, learn a little bit more about this 2023 NFL draft class and how they can help the Steelers, not just this year and for years down the road. So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I want to remind all the Ride or Die crew out there, be on the lookout for Tuesday, my tweet that I put out every Tuesday morning. It's going to say, look, I need your questions. I need those Steelers questions, and you give the questions. I will answer them live on the show on Wednesday. On Wednesday is when I'll have all that for you right there. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. Can't wait for that Wednesday show to talk about winners and losers. I hope you all enjoyed the draft. I hope you enjoyed our coverage of the draft. Hope you had a great start to your week. I will see you on Wednesday, and you know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers.